Okay, so we are here now with some more words to share, with some new words to share. It's sort of funny that the phrase every day is a new day can seem like a statement of tremendous beauty and opening and freshness and aliveness. And it can also be a statement of a kind of relentlessness, a kind of <laughs> repetition. Every day is a, another day, a new day again. <laughs> and today, well, I think I'm a little bit of both. I mean, I know I keep saying every day is a new day. And every time I say it, it seems to mean something different. But I guess that's how things are now, at least from where I'm sitting. Now, today's conversation I've titled A Blob of Clay Explains Phenomenological Transcendence. Or we could say Phenomenological Experiencing Transcendence. And I feel that's a bit of a mouthful. That's a bit of a tongue twister. To put it more simply, I'd like to offer you a metaphor. I'd like to discuss the metaphor of the blob of clay. And as always, it's hard to know where to begin. It's hard to know how to bite into this one, because it's a big one. It's simple, but it is big. There's a lot to it. But to say briefly what phenomenological experiencing transcendence is, it is where you see both the differences and the similarities between two or more experiences. And the only way you can do that is by having those experiences by contrast to one another, in close proximity to each other, or with the required amount of t intensity so as for them to make an impression on you so that it's absolutely clear you know what they are. And this is vast, the range of phenomenological experiencing, or just experiencing, the range of experiences, we can say more simply, is vast. So to be comparing them, to be seeing them, to be transcending them, well, it's an ongoing process. It's something you learn again and again and again on many levels, in many ways, with many arrays and varieties of experiences. Experiences also include situations, sensations, perceptions, emotions, and any other way you want to slice up this broad word, experiencing. So how do we get at this? Let's say, well, here's the metaphor. You've got a blob of clay, and imagine it's about the size of a basketball. And this blob of clay, we bring into a room. Just your bedroom, your normal bedroom, or just anywhere you're quite familiar with. And what we're going to do is we're going to turn that blob of clay into a kind of diorama figure, which is exactly the same shape as your room. It's going to be an exact scale replica. Now, it's going to be quite detailed. And there, of course are many levels to how much detail we can go into because we can create it as if it was the inside of the room, which has the contents of the room. And clay, I don't know if you know much about clay, but there are actually limits to how much detail you can 
put into it and how it can be moulded and how it can be manipulated. So there's going to be a limit to that. There's going to be a limit to our scale. But just imagine this this blob of clay has come in to this room and by whatever means, let's just say it's magic, it suddenly appears to be the exact shape of everything in the room to a scale that makes use of all of its mass. Now, when it's in that shape, we can say that that's an experience that it's having. That is a thing that it is. When you have an experience, in that moment you are that thing. You are that experience. Now, what we can do with our blob of clay is we take it from the room that we've got in the shape that it's in and we move it out the door into the next room of the house. And again, the same thing happens. Magically, somehow, the clay reforms itself into a perfectly detailed microscopic replica of the room that it's in and all of its content. Now, of course, to actually do this, I mean, keep in mind, it's important to keep in mind that to actually do this, to actually have the clay work in that way, maybe we need modeling putty or some other substance for it to work. But either way, whatever the substance is, it's going to be difficult for this to happen, right? It has to only exist. This can only really work in a thought experiment. Even though technically, right, there are such things as very detailed dioramas, but really we're talking about something that can only work in a thought experiment. Now, so we're in the second room, and it's taken this second form. And what happens is, by the time we get to the third room, and this thing happens again, the blob of clay starts to have this problem. And the problem is that it doesn't know what it is. Because it has thought it's the shape of the first room. And if it was only that room that it was ever in, then it would be fine. Because it would be saying to itself, well, I am this. I am the shape of this room. I can see what's going on by working out what I am. By the time we get to the second room, well, that thing of what am I has been shocked. It says, okay, okay, I wasn't that, so I'm actually this. And something lingers, something carries over from the previous room, from the first room. Now, by the time we get to the third room, the shock is too much. There's too much drastic change. So what the clay is going to do is instead of actually taking the exact replica shape of the third room, it's going to do a slight approximation. It's going to have things hanging over from the first and the second room. And certain shapes, maybe certain pieces of furniture are similar. Maybe the size of the room itself is similar. Certain windows or ornaments or objects are similar. And it just has a kind of approximation. And then, of course, the thought experiment continues. And the clay is brought into a fourth room. Now, you can see where this is going. Because each room is a situation that you are in as a human being. Each room is literally a room that you are in. And if we continue this arc, if we continue this trajectory in this thought experiment, what's going to happen is the blob of clay will return to its sort of basketball shape which is the size of a blob, 
about the size of a basketball and it's not very round, it's a bit beat up and you've got your fingerprints on it and it's all twisted and it will be going from room to room to room and each time just about nothing is going to change. It's just going to be a blob of clay moving through rooms. Now, of course, there are many hidden assumptions and there are many rules that need to prop up this thought experiment. And where the metaphor breaks down is quite interesting and can reveal quite a lot. And maybe we'll discover those as this thought experiment unfolds. Maybe we can contend with some of those, with what they mean. But the essential important point is to understand this trajectory towards being a blob. It's towards being this one thing that doesn't change according to its surroundings. And the solution is to change. The solution is to be where you are. The solution is to be what you are in the exact location that you are. Now, of course, it becomes a lot more complex when we're talking about human beings because we're not just talking about the location. We're also talking about energetic profiles. We're talking about emotions. We're talking about thoughts that carry on. And it's a vastly more complicated situation. But the same principles apply. The same metaphor applies. And really, like, if you think about it, I mean, to be crude about it, to be really blunt and to put this metaphor into a sort of realistic light, some people are blobs. It sounds harsh, but they are. They're just, they're just, you're a blob. You're a blob that doesn't change. You're a blob that's in this shape that just doesn't get anything from what's happening around it. Now, I don't want to go too far down into that line because it's very easy to become bitter or resentful or outraged at certain things that are not as beautiful as they could be. Let's put it that way. But that's only one side of it. Because another side of it is that you can be forced into a shape. You can be molded. Now, we have that phrase. We have that metaphor. What sort of mold did you have? Did you break the mold? Well, this is the same idea. This is the same principle. Furthermore, there are people who are really on the other end of the scale, in that they change shape to the room that they are in, and yet there's no continuity. They don't know what they are. There's nothing connecting all the different shapes. Now, I probably would say, generally, in my experience, that kind is less common than the blob kind. But that's just me. I don't have any peer-reviewed scientific studies to back that up. And I don't know how you would even create that. I don't know if it would be even possible to create that kind of study. But these are the two things to understand. These are the two sides of it to understand, which is that you can be in this incredibly complex, changing morphing way of being or you can be a blob and both really have their limits both really have their problems well for one thing the blob the blob is missing the experiences of life the blob is missing the variety of life they're missing the depth they're missing the beauty they're missing the profundity Then for the other side of it, which is 
that you're changing in a vast way, well, there's quite a lot of danger to that in that when you walk into a room, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what shape you're going to turn into. You don't know what's going to be there that will impress itself upon you. And it's not always pretty. It's not always easy. There's a kind of of violence, a kind of ripping apart from one thing to another when that's happening. And just think of what has to be destroyed for one blob of clay from to go from one shape of a room to another. It really has to destroy itself completely. It really has to com- completely lose all the things that it is. Now, if you understand this, and I believe you can understand this if you followed the metaphor along, one of the responses to this is to say, well, how do I not be a blob? Why do, how, do I, how do I train myself, condition myself, mold myself, or work myself into the ability to shape, to take the shape of the room that I'm in every single time? And the answer is to practice. The answer is to go into different rooms. The answer is to go into different situations. But not just any situations, because you really do need to find the situations that will force you into a certain shape. They're the situations that will confront you, the situations that will challenge you, the situations that will change you. And that's a natural response. I think, I believe that's really, that's really what I would say to do with this. That's really what I'm saying is the point of understanding this metaphor. It's to say to yourself, well, how do I not be a blob? And how do I really honestly say to myself that I want to have as many experiences as possible? And I believe this is a common intuition. I remember I had this friend once who said, I want to have, I want to have every experience I can. And they, they became like a hairdresser and then a, a go-kart driver and then a courier. And they were always in these jobs, different jobs, trying all different things. And one holidays, they were trying this and trying that and saying, oh, can I do this with you or... Let's go skateboarding and then let's go surfing. And it was always like this. And I don't know how long they kept it up for. (laughs) I don't know if that's quite the same as what I'm talking about here. Because what I'm talking about here is experiencing. I'm not talking about just action or vocation or doing. So that's quite different. And... The point is that, well, the intuition is there and the logic is there. I don't think it's such a hard thing to sell that you want to have more experiences, deeper experiences. So how do you train yourself to be in in those situations where they're challenging you? And they're actually forcing something onto you. Well, a number of ways. First of all, you go to an environment which is foreign to you. Consciously decide to go somewhere which is out of your comfort zone. To a different country, to a different culture. Travel. This is the essential allure of travel. When you travel, you just end up thinking, wow, I've lived so much. In that time, I've learned so much about the world and about myself in that time. That's the allure of travel. And anybody who's traveled knows that. Another way you can do it 
is to actually do techniques which are designed to do this very thing. And you can craft your own. You can craft your own sequences of things to do that are contrasting to one another. And another variable in this is not just how far out of your comfort zone you are and how much of a challenge it is, but also the rapidity or the, like, like how suddenly you go from one room to another and how much contrast there is. So even in travel, there's something which is gradual about that because you don't just appear in another country out of nowhere. You don't teleport. There's a process. You first got to get your paperwork in order. You've got to get your tickets. You've got to pack. You've got to get your affairs in order, get your schedule in order. And then you get a lift and there's a point A to point B. You go on a plane and you organize some things. And you might be there, but you might not really be there because you haven't looked around yet. And then you start to look around and you meet some people. And it's, it's still gradual. So the other side or the other approach to this would be, be to say, okay, how do we make really largely contrasting things happen right next to each other? And you can do this at home. This is actually a part of my personal routine building. I go from sitting quietly, perfectly still, eyes closed, to fast walking. And then I go from fast walking to just sitting or standing again, or qigong standing, something like that. And then I go from standing to doing some work or something creative. Then I might do some reading. And then I might do some swimming or some floating. And there are things in that that are contrasting to each other. And that's actually an approach to the personal routine. How much contrast is there in your personal routine? And that, dis- that dictates also what order I do things in. Because I'm always trying to find the next thing. And I, and I do them in different orders. There's a, there's a flexibility to it. There's a degree of give and take with it. But the thing that decides, okay, what am I going to do next is partly intuition But tied in with that is what's going to contrast largely to the thing I've just done. And there's no end to how you can construct that for yourself. Now, another great example of this is Osho dynamic meditation. Or really any of the active meditations that he has created So if you don't know about Osho active meditations, I do have an episode on that called, I think I titled it just Osho active meditations and introduction. So you can look that up and have a listen to some of the backs and forths of that. But in a nutshell, what's happening there is you have one hour where you're you're forced into four or five dramatically different things. And because they're sudden, they're dramatic, and they're highly contrasting, and they're in a short space of time, you see the continuity of them. You see how they're all connected. You see the thing that goes through all of them. And that's why they're so powerful, or at least one of the reasons why they're so powerful. So just... For example, with dynamic meditation, you go in and then all of a sudden you're just breathing and it's sudden, uneven, chaotic breathing. It's a breathing technique. And then the next section is an emotional release section. So your body is acting differently and you're going into your emotions. And then the next section is a jumping section and you're doing the who jumping which is all about your feet, your arms, and your energy. And then the next section, you're frozen stopped. 
You're doing absolutely nothing. Everything's gone completely silent. And in the last section, you're dancing. So in those five sections, you're working with different parts of your experience. You're breathing your emotions, your energies, and your dance and your balance and your silence. And they're happening in different ways and they've got different music with them as well. And they're sudden and they're contrasting so much. They're just these completely different things. So that's something that has been incredibly powerful for me to help understand this. Because so much of the problem with not noticing a change is that they're gradual. That's why we're blobs. Because we have gradual change. We have nothing that keeps us alert, keeps us on edge, keeps reminding us that, hey, you need to be alert to the differences that are going on around you. And, you know, another very simple way of understanding this is to just live somewhere else. Move cities. Live in a different city. Doesn't have to be far. Live in a different house. Live with different people. How often do you change houses? Me personally, I have done it at least once every three years. Three years is the absolute most. Sometimes it's two years, sometimes it's one year, sometimes it's six months. And basically it's been that way almost almost since I've moved out of home many years ago. I think there was probably one stretch. Well, no, even in that, I was living in different places. So, and I mean, that wasn't entirely a conscious thing. <laughs> if you would go back in time and ask me, are you, are you changing houses so rapidly because you're doing phenomenological experiencing transcendence? <laughs> well, of course, no, I would say no. But now, now I can see the, the benefit of it. And now I am a little bit more conscious of it. I would say I don't think I should stay anywhere too long. I don't think I should really settle too much. Now, there is also something in being grounded and having your roots solid somewhere. So with all sort of metaphors and discussions, it's take it as you will. It's up to you how you use it. But that's just another way of looking at this. And to say a little bit, a little bit about the transcendence, well, you don't have to actually worry about it because it happens naturally. If you do the work, if you follow the principle and you do these things, then it'll happen naturally. There's no way to really worry about it. So think about it. You're doing dynamic meditation and you're having five different rooms or five different shapes of your blob of clay in one hour. And then you've got your personal routine where you have maybe five or six different things that you do throughout the week. So that's five or six more things that are of variety to you. And then you've got different places that you go throughout the week and the month. And then you've also got moving house every year or two or so. Now, if you're doing that and you're doing it consciously, then you are going to open up to the varieties of life. You are actually going to be moving into more openness, more aliveness, because really these techniques, these ways of imprinting onto yourself how to break open the clay or to mold the clay or to push the clay into shape, they're just techniques to show you what's already happening. Because the variation is there. The variety of experiences are already there. You don't even need to move house. You don't even need to craft a meticulous 
routine. If you just go through a day consciously, completely soft, completely alert, you'll be astonished at how many different experiences there are, how many different situations you find yourself in and how different they are, how contrasting they are. But that is exactly the work. To get to that point, to be able to open to that and to have that, you do need to impress the technique upon yourself. You do need to do the practice. Now, furthermore, to say something about how easy it is to mold clay, (laughs) what can we say about how it is to manipulate clay. Now, if you've ever done potting, you realize that it's a craft. It is actually quite difficult. Clay is thick. It's heavy. It's hard. You really have to push it. It doesn't easily go into the shape that you want it. And I don't think it's a mistake that the vast majority of potting is done on a wheel with a machine and you make something round. You slowly move it into its round shape. So round shapes like bowls or vases or cups, these are the things you normally make when you do chromatics. Chromatics? Semenics? I've forgotten the word. I've always forgotten that word. Potting, basically. You know what I'm talking about, but I don't know the word for it. I've just forgotten how to pronounce it. Perhaps I never knew. But back to point, back to the thing that we need to know, back to the thing that really needs to sink in for you as an idea. Clay is hard to mold. Now, it's certain in certain ways we can say it's like a it's an age thing. When you're young, you're very fresh, you're open. And in a sense, there's, a, there's something to that. There is something that is true about that. If you're too old, you're too set in your ways, well, you're set in your ways and you're going to be a blob of clay, unfortunately. And of course, it's not always the case. Not every older person is a blob of clay. In fact, that's the, that's the beauty of this metaphor. That's the positive side of this message that I'm trying to get across is that you don't have to be a blob of clay. And many people before have been this way. And maybe also there's this thing, what's coming to mind now for me, is that you actually have to be a certain age to have the maturity to see this, to have this explained to you and to see the value in it You have to have a certain kind of intelligence. You have to have a certain amount of, first of all, openness, but then also resonance for deeper things. It's not like you could explain this to a kid. It's not like you could could explain this to someone younger who hasn't had enough life experience or hasn't had certain higher intuitions or spiritual intuitions that might come later on in life. So, In a way, we could say that there is a small window in which this can hook. It's a rare opportunity where you're mature enough to see the value in it and you can see how things are going to unfold if you don't do something about it. And yet you also have the ability to do it because you're not too far set in your ways. You're not too far gone. You actually have something to work with. The mold is, the the clay is still wet so to speak. So maybe it's different for every single person, which maybe that's an easy way to say that, yeah, that's how we can summarize what we're trying to say there. But there's another thread that we need to get back to. There's something more. Ah, yes. Now, the the difficulty of molding clay. Now, here's the thing. If you're If you're challenging yourself and you're doing new situations and you're doing new environments and things and you're really going into this and you really want to go deep, what you'll find is you'll develop this thing which 
is like, how do I find the thing that impresses upon me the most? How do I find the thing that's going to make the most impact on me? And the thing that that is, is another person. It's not a situation. It's not an environment. It's not anything you can do. It's not an action. It's another person. The most powerful thing in this world is another person. Another person can change everything about you just with their words. Just by being in their presence, you can have the most incredible experiences. And of course, you have to be open to it. You have to be receptive to it. In a way, it's a kind of learning to get to the point where that is the case, where you're able to let someone do that to you. And really, if you do learn this, you'll find that it's the same with, it's the same as with going to different situations. You'll find that it's always the case that it's different and they're always challenging you. People are always telling you what you are. People are always telling you what's wrong with you. People are telling you what you can change about yourself. People are telling you things that you don't know about yourself. And you just need to be open to it. You just need to listen to it, to really take it to heart. And if you do that with this higher maturity or with this metaphor in mind, that you're using it to open yourself to something new, then you can fast track that process. You can open yourself up so much. Now, there is also this thing of, well, what about these things that make an impression which are not good for me? Because you can argue, well, eating junk food, that's a powerful experience, right? That's an experience that has very strong sensations in the mouth and in the senses and in the body. So wouldn't that count as one of these things as a practice? Is that part of this as a process? And really, really eating junk food is... It's just one example from my pea-sized brain. I mean, you can use sex as an example. You can use drugs as an example. You can use thrill-seeking activities as an example. And the list goes on and on. And to that, the answer is, well, how much variety is there in it? Because in fact, yes... You can use eating junk food to expand how many experiences you have. But what you'll find is actually it becomes quite dull very quickly. It becomes quite repetitive. It's really something you only need to do once or twice. And if you're really doing it consciously, some would argue that you only need to do it once. So the junk food argument or the junk food dynamic is that you have to do it, yes, but then realize when it's becoming stale, which it will very quickly. Realize when it's not helping you. Realize when you have to move on. And the secret to realizing that, the secret to noticing that is to have a meditation practice so that you can do it consciously. To do these things consciously, you must be meditating. You must have a kind of silence and sensitivity to the way that you approach these experiences, these experiments. 
And in another way, you could really just say, well, you just need to meditate. If you just meditate and create a silence within you, then the contrast will come. The contrast will be there because you're always in different situations. You're always having new things happen. Life is always changing. And you just have to sensitize yourself to it. So why not just meditate? And essentially, that is a a, a good answer. That is a good response to this metaphor. And maybe the whole thing is just a roundabout way of saying, well, we need to meditate more. And I hope that's not too much of a hobby horse of mine (laughs) to say that too often. But it's definitely something that has helped me. And I believe this idea of the blob of clay, like, ask yourself, if you, if you were a blob of clay and each experience within your day was a different shape, how many shapes would you take throughout the day? How many different experiences are there and how deep are there because you can say well i went to the park with my family you say okay well how long were you there for four hours you say well how many experiences is that is that one experience well for some of the time we were sitting on the table for some of the time we were playing on the equipment the equipment for some of the time we were climbing a tree we were playing sports, we were eating, we were talking, we were trying to fly a kite. And here, I don't want to make this the... Don't, don't, mistake the mis, don't have the mistake of being able to divide things psychologically as having different experiences. Just because you can say that the experience of having a picnic with the family at the park was actually multiple things like climbing a tree and talking and eating doesn't mean that it actually counts as a variety of experiences. Because just saying it with words, dividing it psychologically into things, being descriptive with it does not equal experience. What you really need to do is say, What were the varieties of feelings that you had? What were the varieties of perceptions that you had? And perceptions on a subtle way, like what sort of smells did you have? What sort of smells can you remember? What sort of colors or lighting do you remember? And what sort of feelings did you really have? And if you're honest with that and you're new to this, what you'll find is that there were really just one or two or just just one feeling that sort of slowly, sluggishly went throughout the whole thing. And there might have been a few little things in there, like maybe someone told a joke and you had a hiccup of a laugh. And that's a very small variety of experiences. And that's what you're working with. If that's the case, that's what, you, what, that's what you're working with. Just being conscious of that, just being able to go into that is a big step. To be able to understand this metaphor and to see the value of it and to start to make just a few small steps in the right direction is a huge thing. It's a massive thing. And there really is so much depth to this. Particularly in, I would say, the perception side of things. Because think, of, think about this. Let's come back to our metaphor of the clay taking the shape of the room. Think about this. Now, imagine the clay took the shape of a tree. And it was perfectly detailed. 
down to just the little tiny bugs on it. And every single leaf, every curl of the bark, every piece of dust that was on it was perfectly represented in this shape of clay which we'd made out of a blob. Now to really understand that, you have to appreciate the vastness of a tree. And understand that when you look at a tree, the exact thing that's happening is that you are allowing your perceptions to take the shape of that tree. If you sit and you just look at a tree, and you really look at it consciously, uh, with alertness, what you'll find is that your eyes are starting to take the shape of the tree, just in the same way as this blob of clay takes the shape of the tree. And there's no end to the depth that can go into that. And it really is astonishing how much there is to a tree. There really is so much to it. And that's why it's so important to understand perception. And in fact, it's a kind of meditation to stare at a tree. To appreciate nature is a kind of meditation. And really being in nature is where these two things come together, which is working with your blob of clayness and working with your meditation. And they come together in this beautiful way, which is where you're doing both at once. And slowly you become better at taking the shape of the things around you. And really, perhaps, perhaps being in nature is no better way of doing that. So I'm very much a pro-naturalist. I'm very much a pro... I'm very much an encourager of being in nature, which, if you've heard me talk before, you'll understand and know and have heard me say before. So, one more way of explaining this would be with the Buddhist principle of one taste. So, there's this term in Buddhism called one taste, which is where they create this one thing which threads throughout all things in order to see the contrast of all things, to see the difference of all things. So if you'd like to find out more about the traditional techniques to do with this metaphor, you can look up one taste as a Buddhist principle, as a meditative practice. And there's a lot in that. That's really a conversation for another day. I mean, the traditional take on this is the, the tradition and the history of this is a whole nother conversation. I really just want to I really just want to get across the basic principle of it today with this simple metaphor. So that is a blob of clay explains phenomenological experiencing transcendence or basically we could rather say the metaphor of the blob of clay. <laughs> it's a bit of a tongue twister to use such long words. I don't know if we really need such long words. I mean, I'm, I keep using them, so I keep saying them. I must like saying them if I keep using them, right? <laughs> let's, not, let's not turn this into an introspection. Whoa, hold on there. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. That's a conversation for another day. So wherever you are, let me send you some good vibes. I hope you're... Well, I hope you're... Doing what you need to do. I doing I hope you're doing what's right for you. I hope you're feeling what is happening to you right now, consciously. And I guess I should say that I hope it's a positive thing. I hope it's a good thing. And I do. I do wish it's a good thing. I do hope it's a good thing. And if it's not, well, 
Maybe learn from it, become conscious of it, and have a beautiful day. So take care of yourself, carry on. We venture forth with much more to come. So thanks very much for listening. I'll be back very soon with more. And that's all I have to say for now.